Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Hello and welcome to the new series of the Business of Psychology podcast and September, the start of the academic year, always feels like a new beginning in my mind. I've never gotten out of that cycle and now I've got children at school, it's just reinforcing that idea that September is a month for growth and development and change. So it's actually one of my favourite months of the year and I'm very happy to be coming back with the podcast and also with my private practice this September. So for anyone who's new to the show who might not be aware of this, I have just come back from my third maternity leave. Uh, My youngest daughter is now nine months old and the time feels right Uh, to do a couple of things, you know, firstly to throw myself back into creating this podcast and the social media content that goes with that, but we'll talk about all of that uh, another day, but also to restart my clinical work. I, I did what most people do, I think, and finished my clinical work about a month before I went off on maternity, and it now feels like the right time to step back in and start seeing some therapy clients again. But as many of you will know, if you're experienced in private practice and you've had to take breaks in your practice for whatever reason, it isn't as simple as just showing back up um, and you know having clients knocking your door down. Now, I am very lucky that I do still have a few people who are waiting um, to have sessions with me, which is a privileged position. But, you know, things are not as busy as they could be. We moved during my break, which means that a lot of my local connections have died off and I've had to start re-establishing some new ones. Um, Also, I have not had the time or the energy to do any marketing at all for the private practice over my maternity leave. Uh, Any energy I've had, I've used into keeping psychology business school and the coaching side of my work going mainly because I just didn't have the right frame of mind to be talking about my specialism um, over that maternity period. And that's because my specialism is perinatal. So it felt a little bit too close to the bone and a bit too raw to be really putting myself out there and talking about that side of my business. So I haven't been. But a few years ago, having a break and coming back like this would have filled me with fear. And justifiably, it would have filled me with fear because I wasn't confident that I could get that marketing machine back up and running quickly enough to make me the income that I need to make. Now, a couple of things have changed for me. Firstly, I have a lot of income coming in from psychology business school, my membership, my online courses um, and the coaching work that I do. So actually the clinical side of my work isn't required for my own income anymore. I I do my clinical work because I love it and also because I'm generating profit to put into pro bono offers and uh, and low-cost offers for people in my um, clinical group. So it does feel different to how it did when I returned from my maternity leave a few years ago. 
However, I think another big difference for me is that I know what works now. I've actually had to set up my practice in different parts of the country after a break four times <laughs> now. So over the past, uh, what, how many years is it? Five? Yeah, five, five years and four moves. I have learned what works in getting um, clients into my private practice. And I now feel pretty confident that if I do these five things that I'm going to share with you in this episode, that that will bring enough clients into my practice uh, for me to be comfortable and to give some work to my associates too. So I thought I would share my to-do list because uh, there's only five things on it, but they are the five most important things you need to do if either you're lacking clients in your private practice or you're setting up again after a bit of a break. I, I hope that it might help people who are in a similar situation, but also it might help you to do a little bit of an audit and check that you are still prioritizing these things because they are the foundation of your marketing machine and they should remain the foundation. However busy you get, however much you're enjoying content creation or any of that other amazing stuff that we do, these five things are the bedrock of your business strategy. Okay, so the first thing that I've already started doing in my new area is local networking. So I made myself some business cards on Canva and I got out there in person and started talking to people who might have contact with my ideal client. So for me, this meant talking to a lot of allied professionals, people that have contact with pregnant people at whatever stage in their journey. I've been chatting to um, fertility doctors, I've been chatting to GPs, I've been chatting to midwives, I've been chatting to health visitors. Um, I've been talking to uh, shop owners, people who own other small businesses that serve pregnant people. I've been talking to hypnobirthing instructors, yoga teachers, um, baby massage instructors, really anyone who has contact with my ideal clients at a different point in their journey. And I've been talking to them, not just about how they could help me. I'm not just going in and saying, hey, I'm a clinical psychologist. I specialize in um, you know, pregnancy, birth, and the postnatal period. Refer to me. <laughs> um, I do say a bit of that and I hand out my business cards, but I, I usually lead with how can I help you get referrals? How can I help you get clients? And that's for two reasons. Firstly, because it's nicer to build up a reciprocal relationship like that and it works better. But also because if you've been in private practice for a while, you've probably found the same thing as me, that because you develop a trusting relationship with your clients, they ask you for recommendations. They ask you, who should I go to for nutrition? Who should I go to for baby massage? Who should I go to for cranial osteopathy? <laughs> um, they ask me for all of these things. And I don't always know because I move so often. I don't have, I don't always naturally have a friend who does X, Y, or Z, or have somebody that I know shares my values or is properly accredited who does X, Y, or Z. So I have to make an effort to get out into my community and find those people to refer to. You know, at a minimum, you want a, a psychiatrist you can refer to, um, you want uh, somebody for nutrition, I would suggest, and somebody who does movement. Um, well, you do anyway, if you share similar values to me about the mind-body connection. 
So have a think about that. For you, who is it that you need to refer to? Who is it that your clients are likely to ask you for a recommendation for? And put some effort into building up those relationships first. Because if they're reciprocal in that way, those are the ones that are going to work the best for you. Um, So that's the first thing that I've been paying a lot of attention to, that kind of networking with allied professionals. The second thing, um, still related to that local networking point, is building up my network of local psychologists. Now, I was lucky because I still have some friends in this area. I've actually lived here before. um, So I was able to reach out to a couple of people I knew who lived locally and get myself some introductions to other local psychologists in the area. Now, again, that's useful for two reasons. Firstly, because I'm confident that we will refer to each other. We all have slightly different specialisms. And even if we all had the exact same specialism, we've all got limited capacity. So I think there's a chance that we will refer to each other. And that's great. But the other reason that I always want a strong network of other local psychologists is that safety net. It's that time that something comes your way that you weren't really expecting and you don't quite know what to do with it. Having other psychologists that you can call upon for a bit of peer supervision to say, you know, have I thought of everything here? Are there any other local services that I haven't thought of to try is really useful. And many of those psychologists will have worked in the NHS services in this area. And I've been out of that loop for a while now. So that is extremely valuable information for me because often that's where I want to refer my clients to. I often want to refer them into the NHS And so knowing how those pathways work specifically here is really valuable. So, you know, whatever your specialty, whether you're a psychologist, a psychotherapist or a counsellor, having other people that share your profession who, you know, you know, you start to develop a, a close relationship with is really valuable. So that would be the second thing on my list. Okay. Number two, the second thing that I would be focusing on after networking is getting my directory sites up to date, updating them with my new address, refreshed copy, making sure that that message I'm trying to communicate to my ideal clients is coming through loud and clear and that there's nothing confusing, no broken links, no phone number that doesn't work anymore. Um, that the website link I'm sharing is the one I want to share, just checking that all of that ticks all of the boxes Um, because directory sites are still a really powerful way of getting referrals into your practice. The third thing that I concentrate on or I am concentrating on at the moment is making sure that my website is up to date with all of that same information, making sure there is no link to the wrong address anywhere, no link to anything that doesn't work anymore, and that I've got the right process for contacting me on my contact page, that that's still what I want to happen and how I want it to happen. Um, Also updating and refreshing the copy, giving Google a bit of a helping hand there. Google will pay more attention to our website if it's been updated recently. Checking that all my terms and conditions have got the right address on, that all my terms and conditions are still valid for how I'm operating at the moment. Um, And also making sure that my Google My Business profile is up to date with the correct address and that there's no broken links on that either, because that is a really powerful tool. And if your website and your Google My Business don't align, Google does not really like that. So making sure that you've got Google My Business set up, because that really helps people to find you, and making sure that it's up to date and matching your website should be done at the same time as your website refresh. 
Okay, the fourth thing that I am doing at the moment is organising a meeting with my VA, the lovely Anna, who featured on this podcast uh, a few months ago, to discuss and refresh any processes that aren't as efficient as they could be or don't fit with the way that I'm currently working. I'm coming back with different clinic slots. I'm working at different hours. I'm doing things a bit differently. I'm doing a hybrid between in-person and online work, whereas we've been online only for years now. So there's a few things that Anna and I need to discuss to make sure that all of that goes really smoothly. So I'm booking in that meeting to make sure it happens. If you haven't outsourced any of your processes yet, have that meeting with yourself. (laughs) Get out your systems and processes, take a good look at them and check that they're fit for the way that you're working now and update anything that doesn't work. Because as soon as you do get those clients coming in through the door, you don't want that to be the time that you notice the cracks and the inefficiencies because that's just stressful. And chances are, if you're coming back after a break, you're coming back with a bit less time than you had before, for most of us anyway. So the fifth thing that I'm doing is a bit of long-term planning, including cash flow forecasting. No, it's not the most fun thing you can do for most people. I mean, actually, for me, I really love cash flow (laughs) forecasting. I find it really fun to try and imagine what I could do in my business and have a look at what impact that might make. But I know a lot of people don't really like it. So if you don't like it and you think you're going to procrastinate it, This could be something that you do alongside a pricing expert like Sally Farrant, who was featured on this podcast before, um, or with your own accountant. Um, Sit down and figure out what you're going to do in your business, how you're going to make money, and what that is likely to look like over the next year. Review your vision, review your values, review your fees. Make sure that all of those ducks are in a row and making sense. And we've got podcast episodes to support you with all of that, which I'll link to in the show notes. Um, But make sure that all of that is making sense before you let that first client back through the door. Because if it's not, you're less likely to have time to update things, change things, change all of your fees and, and that kind of structure when you've got clients already on your books. Now is a really great time to make sure that all of that is in alignment and it all makes sense. Now, finally... Um, I said I was only going to share five things, and I have. I've already shared the five most important things that you need to focus on if you're returning uh, from a break in your practice. Um, But just to let you in on another thing that I'm doing at the moment, because I think some of you could be thinking about similar issues, so I'm actually viewing therapy rooms, which feels really exciting to me. Um, So a lot of people ask me, should I be thinking about Um, returning to -to face-to-face work or should I stay online is it still possible to stay online and actually I think we don't really know yet we're not really through this pandemic are we we're still seeing a lot of people unwell with covid a lot of the time Um, and we're still seeing quite a lot of disruption to people's lives uh, because of that because either they're ill with covid or you know other illnesses seem to be plaguing people more than they used to so for that reason I think online therapy is still going to be very, very important. I think there are a lot of people who have found therapy accessible who wouldn't have done before um, for various reasons, you know, health, but also employment, lifestyle, childcare, all of those things. So I certainly don't think that we're likely to return to a world where it's acceptable not to have an online offer. 
Um, I think most people now are going to expect that that's an option because they've been used to it being an option or the default for the last few years. So I certainly wouldn't say that I am likely to return to face-to-face only. Um, But my business always was a hybrid between the two. So maybe that's just me, maybe that's predictable. We'll see how things shake down. I think it might become more challenging to sustain an online only practice because people will start to imagine that they could see you face to face again as the world opens up and becomes a bit more face to face frankly so I think you might start to lose some business if you do stay online only however I think that if you're willing to put in the work and follow the practices that we've talked about in this podcast for defining a clear specialism, making sure that your website is really optimised for your ideal client and speaks to a very specific group of people. I think if you're willing to do that, then you will still be able to have an online-only practice. I think it's going to be more difficult than if you're able to have more of a kind of local in-person practice that you market through local networking channels but I think you'll still be able to do it so if that's what you want listen back to the specialism um, episodes of this podcast have a think about who you're speaking to and make sure that your messaging is absolutely on point for those people and have a think about how you can reach a wider pool of those people because you need to speak to a national audience Um, but I'm pretty sure that it can be done But for me, I have a bit of a pull towards seeing some of my clients in person again. And I think that's because one thing that I specialise in in my clinical work is severe sickness in pregnancy. I don't like to call it morning sickness because I've been through it and that is an enraging term for something which plagues your every waking moment for nine months of your life. Um, So I won't call it that, Um, but that's that's what it's commonly known as. Um, And for those people I know from lived experience, looking at a screen is pretty horrible. I also know that for another section of my client group, coming and seeing me in person and having me hold their baby while we talk about something is really, really helpful. Um, And I know not everybody would do that in their practice. I completely understand that. and it's not suitable for every piece of work that I'm doing. But there are the occasional clients where they just need that service from me. They can't have their baby in their arms and talk about what they need to talk about. And there is no one else to look after their baby for them. So for those people, I've always provided that where they can bring the baby in in their buggy. And if they're unsettled, I can hold them while we're talking. Um obviously talk about I talk about that a lot with my supervisor about when when it is suitable and when it's not suitable but for the few people that it is the right thing for I want to be able to offer it again and I've really missed being able to offer that so yeah for those reasons I am looking at therapy rooms at the moment and you know trying to make a decision about when the time is to return to a hybrid for me it's not going to be on the 1st of September um but it might be at some point in the next few months. So that feels exciting and it's something that I'm researching. So I thought I'd let you in on that. 
Now I want to talk to you about the things that I am not prioritizing in the marketing for my private practice, because these are things which I see people get whisked away by, carried away with, um, which are often kind of fun to work on when it comes to your marketing, but they're not the most important thing when you're actually looking to get clients through the door. So the first one is a brand refresh. Oh my word, I want to do a brand refresh for my private practice. I've got so many ideas of things that would be better and cooler. Um, and I, yeah, there's, there's so many things that I want to do. And my brain, you've probably picked up on by now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, is one of those places that kind of never stops thinking of new stuff. But I'm not allowing myself to go down that track just now. I'm going to focus on getting those clients through the door first. And then once the practice is bringing in a steady income of its own, I will then be able to spend a bit of money on getting somebody else to do some of that design work rather than me spending hours that I don't have on Canva trying to do it myself. So that's the first thing I'm refusing to let myself do right now. The second thing I'm not doing that people get really tempted by when they're looking for new clients is social media advertising or really that much on social media at all. Social media is not a great place to find client referrals. Um, I've talked in this episode about places that I think are good to get client referrals. There's also another episode called Get Money In Fast to Your Private Practice, where I go into some of the methods that I would use to get referrals. Social media is not one. So seeing as that is my focus at the moment for the private practice, I am not spending time on that, even though I love it and I kind of want to. The third thing I'm not allowing myself to do just yet is my new podcast. So I will be doing a big podcast and social media project in 2023. And I'm already kind of writing for it and planning it at the moment because I'm really passionate about it. But I'm forcing myself to slow down, look for some funding for it so that I can make it as good as I want it to be. And I'm a big believer that you can't have too many goals at once. So I've got goals already for psychology business school and the coaching side that I'm working on. I think I can only really handle one goal in my private practice at a time. And for the moment, that's to get restarted, get some clients in and make sure that all my processes for me and my associates are working well. Then when that is all comfortable and running, hopefully at the beginning of 2023, I will have a bit of time and headspace to invest in this new podcast and social media project um, to help people who are struggling with uh, with hyperemesis, with that severe sickness I was talking about earlier. So it's totally on my radar, it's on my to-do list, but I'm refusing to let myself jump into it straight away, however much my mind wants to, which it does, believe me, it wants to all the time. Um, so I hope that that is helpful. I've shared with you a few things there that you absolutely should be doing if you are like me and coming back from a break or if you're just getting started in private practice. So I've shared with you the things that you need to prioritise and I've also shared with you some stuff which might feel important but really it's not worth spending your time on it at the moment. It can come later, further down the track. Put it in your diary but don't spend time on it right now in this moment. 
Um, so I hope that's been helpful. It is so lovely to be back with this new series. We've got some amazing interviews lined up for you. I'm really proud of the work that we've done on, on this series. And I say we because obviously I write and record the content, but we've had amazing guests and I've also got an amazing team of people who edit this podcast and create the show notes for me. And I feel everybody has come together to create something really good um this series so please do hit subscribe rate and review this podcast if you find it useful because my plan is to get it out to many more mental health professionals and every time you rate and review it helps us to reach more people just like you with practical tips um but also just that inspiration that you need to keep going in independent practice when it gets hard Uh, so thank you for coming back thank you for joining me for season three and i can't wait to get going Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that we are making some big changes at the moment to Psychology Business School and the Do More Than Therapy membership. Don't worry, all the changes are very positive and we're going to be bringing you more value, more content, more templates, pretty much more of everything. Um, But to let you know, this is the best time to join. If you've been on the fence about coming and joining us in Psychology Business School, our complete course and suite of legal documents for getting you set up in private practice, or if you've been thinking about joining us in the Do More Than Therapy membership, our monthly membership, which helps you to grow and diversify your practice by getting outside of the therapy room, uh, including our complete roadmap to a successful online course. If you've been thinking about either of those things, now is the best time to join because you will get the best price and you're still going to get everything that comes with the changes that are coming in the next few weeks. So if you're on the fence at all, jump off the fence and jump in and join us. We're over at psychologybusinessschool.com. Do come and take a look. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.